Hand me my sword. That's the name of our series that we are doing on the book of Nehemiah. We're in the process of unfolding or extracting eschatology from the Old Testament. Welcome to number 14 in our series. We're going to be talking about Nehemiah appointing future leader. Jerusalem is called here the holy city of the living God. Nehemiah chapter 11 verse 1. The city was where God had chosen his earthly temple, which God placed his name in and upon this temple. The holy city became a setup for God's holy seed, Jesus, to minister to the entire world until its last hour. Those who care not about the holy city will be exaggerating if they said they would enter the kingdom of God. Acceptance of Israel is paralleled to acceptance of salvation. When Nehemiah became the governor of Judah, he carefully picked the right leaders to carry his work forward for generations to come. We will discuss just how this turned out. But let's take a look at our overview for today. Number one, quality leaders prepare the next generation to lead. Number two, hatred drives future leaders to protect God's investment. Three, Israel's poverty is used to protect God's people. As odd as that sounds, it is a true-to-life principle not only that Nehemiah used, but God uses on a daily basis. Number four, God restores the kingdom of Israel. And finally, number five, prosperity is promised to those who love Zion. Let's review our scriptures for today. It's out of Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten who live in Jerusalem, the holy city where nine-tenths remained in other cities. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Now these are heads of the providences who lived in Jerusalem. But in the cities of Judah, each lived on his own property in their cities. The Israelites, the priests, the Levites the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. Now let's review hatred of Israel's neighbor. Because Jerusalem, of all places, was most hated by the unbelieving neighbors, their malicious attacks were leveled, and therefore they were not only willing to expose themselves there. Back. Holiness produces persecution and reproach, and of running themselves into trouble, keeps many out of the holy city, 
and makes them fearful of God and authentic Judaism. Thus God sets Jerusalem as a place of special malice, threatened and insulted by the enemies. So it is protected by its God and made a quiet habitation with special care. However, God set the standard for those who were willing to live under the guidelines of the Law of Moses. It was more for their worldly advantage to dwell in the country. Jerusalem was no trading city, and therefore there was no money to be got from their merchandise, as there was in the country by corn and cattle. Note, all seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ, according to Philippians 2.21. It is a general and just complaint that most people prefer their own wealth, credit, pleasure, ease, and safety before the glory of God and the public good. Thus God set the Jews in place that were willing to glorify God and the good of the people. Only those who are willing to live under the law obtained by God through Nehemiah and Ezra. Let's take a look at the future of Israel is for the faithful. God's priority, the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem, for them to have a proper respect, being the core leadership of the nation, both for the performance of their offices and to protect and defend it, as well as to set an example to the people and encourage them to dwell there also. The bottom line is God established Jerusalem as the center of worship for Jews past, present, and future. After the Lord set up the holy place for all Jews, the rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem. Though it was the chief city and the place of public worship, yet the people were not willing to settle in it partly because of the rage of the enemy, which this city was at the butt of, and partly because it was more to their worldly advantage to dwell in the country and where they could have better supplies. They consulted their own ease, safety, and profit, wherefore this method was taken to oblige some of the Jews to dwell in it by taking one out of ten by lot, that there might be a sufficient number to rebuild the houses of it, repopulate it, and, of course, defend it. Now let's review Nehemiah to bring one of ten. To bring one of ten, Jerusalem certainly had many inhabitants at the time, but not sufficient to preserve the city, which was now encompassed with a wall and the rebuilding of which was going fast. Nehemiah therefore obliged one-tenth of the country's people to come and dwell in it, that the population might be sufficient for the preservation and defense of the city. Ten were set apart, and the lot was cast among them to see which one of the ten 
to take up his residence in the city. There were few people to inhabit Jerusalem. Why build a wall around rubble? Because to the Jews, Zion was to be honored until the second coming of the Messiah. Why weren't there people willing to live in the city of Jerusalem? Well, first of all, the city had been without a wall for 160 years. Better yet, Nehemiah built the wall in 52 days by making use of Jews who were held in captivity to the Babylonians for 70 years. In fact, when Nehemiah showed up on the scene, Jerusalem wasn't much more than a pile of rubble. Plus, the people knew that they had their work cut out for them. Under a relentless leader, and directing each to fulfill God's orders. This resulted in Nehemiah's plan to conduct one in ten. That was after he placed the leaders of Jerusalem in their positions. Now let's look at separated themselves from strangers. On the 24th day, the people came together to humble themselves in a manner that became their position. And they separated themselves from all strangers, beginning with the blessing promised to Abraham. They relate all the tokens of God's grace bestowed upon Israel. The frequent unfaithfulness of which they had afterwards been guilty of. And there is a true expression of heartfelt repentance. They acknowledge without any disguise their condition and undertake to obey the law, to separate themselves entirely from the people of the land, and faithfully to perform all that the service of the house of God required. Now let's look at our four points of victory. Number one, hatred. Godliness produces persecution and hatred. It's a simple fact of being either indwelt by the living Christ or in their day by honoring God the Father through Old Testament laws. Two, faithful. Jerusalem is saved for the faithful. God had no intentions to do all this rebuilding and hand the city over to Babylonian influence, fake Jews or real deal Jews. God's intention was to hand this city over only to the faithful. And that's exactly what he did. Number three, one in ten. A strategy to establish Jerusalem for generations to come. Number four, separated. It was important for the people to realize that God wanted to keep his people separated from worldly influences particularly the Babylonian. In conclusion, each of the leaders stated in chapter 11 is equally as important as the willing unknown. God fully makes use of every faithful Jew and marks them as valuable. Most never became famous 
and most are never marked in the halls of Jewish history. However, all are noted by God in his eternal kingdom, the great and the small. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. And having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Not only does the word say that every word that proceeds out of mouth of men are recorded in the book of life, everything we do, God holds dear to his heart while sitting on his throne in heaven. Coming up next, number 15, dedication of the wall. We have already seen that gladness was the portion of the people, a joy which acknowledged God, for God had preserved the people and had blessed them. But the princes of the people had immediately relapsed into unfaithfulness. And during Nehemiah's absence, the chambers of the temple, in which the offerings had been formally kept, were given up to you got it, Tobiah, that subtle and persevering enemy of God's people. But at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the joy of the people and the faithfulness of Nehemiah brought them back to the written word, and Israel separated themselves again from the mixed multitude. Tobiah's stuff is cast out of the chamber prepared for him in the temple. The observance of the Sabbath is again reinforced. Those who had married strange wives and whose children spack partly the language of strangers and partly that the Jews is put under the curse and sharply rebuked and chastised. The order and the cleansing, according to the law, are reestablished and this leading thought of of the book as to the people's condition and without question it closes the narrative that which we have said will give an idea of the great principle of the book of Nehemiah we hope that you stay with us as we close out our study we're going to discover some refined facts of how this story concludes itself, and just why God took all the time and effort needed to reestablish Jerusalem and sets them up to conclude the prophecies clearly revealed in the book of Nehemiah. Until next time. just a boy when I came here. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise and bring you back to this land. Who are you, old man? I am Daniel. I seek to tell you a story. A tale of four kings. One great, one foolish, 
one who was deceived and one who is destined to be regarded as wise for all the ages of the world to come. During those many years, we were living in a foreign land, speaking a foreign language, and living under a foreign king. My king, I've heard of this man. For we lord are righteous, yet we rebelled against your command. Jerusalem has sinned greatly. As punishment, we shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. 70 years is a long time. King's executioner will be in the chamber. If you are found unworthy, you will be executed on the spot. You dare to defy me? Let the furnace be heated sevenfold. Find them and cast them into the fire. The Babylonian way of conquest. You take away the leaders and the rest can easily be governed. Lord God will strike you down like an enemy. Anyone who prays to any god or man shall be thrown into the lion's den. Why did I consult you before passing that accursed law? Take him away! Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? Am I now to kill my most faithful subject? I call upon your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. Hear my plea. Redeem my life. What we need to promise is to always love our God and be obedient to Him. Have faith, my brothers.